would be my joy if you'd join me in the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, if you have a Bible, it's in the middle of your Bible. So it should be pretty easy to find. We'll be in Psalm 1 today. We just finished a 70-week series in the book of Luke. And so we said, we're not going to be outdone. We're going to start the Psalms. Um, No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing all 150 Psalms, but hopefully today as we begin the Psalms, this will be a series that we return to again and again and again as we think about our strength and our song, as we think about these book of Psalms that have really become a songbook for God's people. It says this in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray once again. Lord, we ask that you would help us today because, Lord, we don't put our hope and trust in man's word. Lord, we trust fully in your word. And, Lord, we want you to fill us with your word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we might delight in your word, that we might meditate on your word day and night, that we might be like trees planted, fruitful, prosperous, that we might be righteous before you. Lord, only you can do that. Lord, by the power of your Spirit. So Lord, open up your word that we might know your word. But Lord, open up your word that we might see Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know when a heart is filled with the emotion, when a heart's been moved because a heart likes to overflow with singing. When the heights of a heart get taken to the highest level, then the heart overflows with a song. When your heart is filled with joy in a a victory, your heart might well up with, we are the champions, my friend. When your heart's filled with, with love for your wife, you might be walking through the kitchen saying, I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When your heart is even filled with sorrow, filled with sadness, your heart, your heart longs for a song of lament, a song to express that sadness. This morning, we're opening up one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Psalms, and it's the holy inspired playlist of God. The the songbook for God's people, it it has a song for every heart in here this morning, a song for every emotion you've ever felt that you might make it your own as you cry out to the Lord. And when we open up 
the book of Psalms, we found the foundation to the Psalms is in Psalm chapter 1. When we read Psalm 1, we find out that this is what truly makes people sing. We want to find out what truly makes a heart overflow with rejoicing and with singing. What is the foundation that will make your heart delight this morning? What's the foundation that will make you fruitful, that will make you sing forever? Well, the way that the psalmist does this is he likes to compare two different people. And the psalmist is saying that there is only two different people in the world. Only two different people that you can boil down everybody in the world down to. It's not Democrat and Republican. It's not rich or poor. It's not black or white. It's not UK fans versus U of L fans. No, it's the righteous and the wicked. Everybody in here and everybody in the world fits into one of those categories. The righteous and the wicked. So this morning, I want our hearts to learn what it means to be truly righteous so our hearts can sing. So we can be fruitful, so we can delight in the Lord. Because when someone is truly righteous before God, truly righteous before a holy God, you can't help but sing for joy. You can't help but sing for joy. And so I think every one of us this morning wants to be filled with joy. Every one of us longs to be righteous before God. So the first thing we see in our passage, in the first two verses, the righteous one is full of the word. The righteous one is full of the word. The psalmist begins by saying, blessed is the man. Some translations say, happy is the man. And when we hear that, every single ear perks up in here because every single part, one, of, one of us in here this morning wants to be happy. If you asked and polled the whole world, especially in America, what do you long for more than anything? We're going to say happy. I want to be happy. I want my kids to be happy. Every single one of us, it's a happy heart that can make our hearts start to sing. But happiness can be circumstantial. And so the word blessed is even Better because the psalmist isn't talking about temporary happiness. He's not talking about temporary happiness. He's talking about whole life flourishing. When we read the word blessed in the psalms, we're talking about being whole, but being complete, being full. Which, yes, happiness and joy can make up what it means, part of what it means to be blessed. But it's so much more than that. None of us want to be happy just for a moment. None of our hearts wants to be happy for a second. We all long to be whole. We all long to be complete. Our hearts yearn to be blessed forever in the Lord. Notice first how he contrasts 
contrasts the righteous with the wicked in verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You can see the downward spiral, the downward trajectory of the wicked. No one starts out trying to ruin their lives, right? No, there's a, a slow fade, a, a drift from, from walking with the wicked to, to standing with sinners to he finally says you're sitting down with the scoffers. At first, you maybe listen to the way of the wicked for a second. Well, then all of a sudden you're associating with the, the way of the wicked until finally you're identifying with them. You found a comfortable seat with them until you look just like them. That's now who you are. You're part of the world. You are part of the wicked. Maybe you've seen that in your own life. The, the same pattern where maybe for a second you give your ear to the world just to listen for a second, just to watch that video for a second. And then the next thing you know, you, you started to believe what the world is saying. And then you start buying what the world is selling, and now you're part of the world. And before you know it, you look just like the world around you. Maybe one way to check your heart this morning is to, to take an inventory of the things that you're scrolling through on your phone. Take, take an inventory of the, the YouTube videos you're watching, the type of shows that you're watching, the, the Netflix shows you're binging on the weekends. Whatever you're giving your eyes to, whatever you're giving your ears to, that's what you're giving your heart to. I'll say it again. Whatever you're giving your eyes to, whatever you're giving your ears to, that's what you're giving your heart to. And whenever you start getting comfortable with the world, comfortable in the world, be careful because you're going to start being conformed to the world. You're going to start looking just like the world. But the psalmist says that the way of the righteous looks way different. Instead of being filled with the world, you're going to be filled with the word. The righteous one, he or she will be filled with with the word. Look at verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The, the blessed man, the, the righteous one, delights in God's word and meditates on God's word. Would you describe yourself like that? Like if you just looked at your days, your weeks throughout the week, what, would you say that you're someone who delights in the law of the Lord? For some of us, the word delights like the last word that comes to mind when we think of the Bible, maybe. I mean, for most people in the world, the, the word instead of delight might be a disdain for the world. A, a disdain for the word of God. That's what marks the world around us. They don't want to hear God's word. They don't want to listen to it. They want nothing to do with it. 
Yet even for the church, too often we see the, the, word, the word of God not as delight, but as duty. Anybody else ever been there? We know we should be reading God's word. We were taught since our youth group maybe that we should have a quiet time. We, we might feel guilty, shameful about falling behind on our yearly Bible reading. It's, it's become a duty to us, not a delight. But the truly blessed man, the, the righteous one in our passage, the, the righteous one among us is the one who delights in God's word. The one who wakes up in the morning and loves nothing more than opening God's Word because he wants to hear from the heart of his good Father. The one who gets up every morning, not just for the coffee, not just to check the box on their Bible reading app, but they want to hear from the heart of their Father. I would say the heart that sings the loudest among us is probably the one who's filled with delighting in God's Word. But it's not just delighting in. What else does he say here? He says here in verse 2, the delight comes from meditating on the law. Meditating on the Bible day and night. The word meditating there literally means to mutter to oneself, to, to be murmuring to oneself. It's like talking to yourself. Have you ever been somewhere like out in public somewhere? You're like at the mall or Walmart and you look over and you're kind of like, that guy's like talking to himself. Like I see him. He's like, why is he talking to himself? And then they turn and they have that like little Bluetooth thing on their ear and you're like, oh, never mind. They're on the phone. They just look like they're talking to themselves. Well, God's people are muttering to themselves, speaking to themselves the truths of God's word over and over and over again. So that your mind's attention on God's word starts stirring up your affection in the God of the word. That's what happens for God's people. It's like having a everlasting gospel gobstopper in your mouth all day long. All day long, just thinking about, meditating on God's Word. Where you wake up in the morning and you think about Psalm 90, 14. Lord, satisfy us. Satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that I might rejoice and be glad all my day. Where I'm going throughout my day and I'm thinking about Psalm 119, verse 9. How does a young man keep his way pure? Oh, by guarding his heart according to your word, Lord. Isaiah 26, verse 3. When you're stirred up and you're frustrated, maybe you're anxious about something going on in your life and your work, and I have to say, Lord, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Lord, keep me in perfect peace. Your word promises if it stayed on you that you'll keep me in perfect peace. 
Psalm 23, Lord, the Lord, you are my shepherd. I shall not want, even like I'm laying down in my bed right now, you make me lie down in green pastures. You give me peace. You quiet my soul. Just thinking about God's word. Galatians 2.20, for I've been crucified with Christ. That's who I am. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That's who I am. Remember it, Lance. I mean, we know this is true, right? Whatever has your mind's attention has your heart as well. I mean, is that not right? Like if we talked about earlier, if you get a song stuck in your mind, well, it's going to start stirring up some feelings when you can't quit thinking about it. Or when you start being consumed about a nursing final, some tests, a test coming up this week, and you're consumed by that, maybe that leads your heart to be filled with some anxiety. Or, or if you remember hateful words that have been spoken to you, words that someone said to you that tore you down and you can't shake it at all, well, your heart will start being filled with maybe anger. Some sense of anxiety of what's going to happen the next time I see them. Well, the psalmist is teaching us that if we delight in the Bible, if our mind is consumed with the Bible, meditating on His Word day and night, don't be surprised that your heart will be filled with joy. Don't be surprised when your heart is filled with delight in the Lord. No Christian in here should expect a happy heart, a joy-filled heart without a word-filled heart. So what has your mind's attention? What has your heart's affection? Is it filled with the world or is it filled with the word? Does your delight come daily from spending time on social media? That's a good place to look for joy, right? I'm kidding. Does it come daily from scrolling through social media or daily from spending time in God's word? You know, most young people, if we were to poll high schoolers and college students today, and we said, tell me what your heart feels like. You know what some words you would hear would be anxious and restless, joyless. And yet we know studies say that the average American spends about 2.5 hours a day on social media and less than one hour a week in the Word. And we wonder why we're anxious and restless and joyless when we're looking at and captivated by the world instead of being captivated by God and His Word. The psalmist says the righteous, the truly blessed ones, the one who isn't just reading the Bible. No, he's slowing down to be filled with the word, meditating on the word, speaking it to himself, murmuring to himself over and over and over again until his heart delights in the Lord. The second thing we see, though, is not only is the righteous one full of the word, but the righteous one is fruitful in the Lord. The psalmist uses this beautiful illustration 
for what the righteous one looks like. Look at what happens when one delights in God's word and meditates it on it day and night. The psalmist says in verse 3, look at this imagery. He says, like a tree. Maybe all the kids can say that today. Say, like a tree. You remember that? Can you say that with me? Like a tree. That's, that's the image that he comes to mind. If someone's meditating and delighting in the Word, what, are they, what happens to them? Like a tree planted by streams of water that, that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. See, in Middle Eastern countries in that day, if it was hot, it, it was often hot and dry. Nearly impossible for a tree to survive. Impossible to survive. Even, even more so, po- impossible to bear fruit. The, the only trees that could survive or bear true, fruit are the, the trees that were planted by water. Planted by a water source. And the tree was purposefully purposefully planted by the stream so it could be sustained and so it could have life, so it could be fruitful. And God's saying that the righteous one who's rooted, who, who is planted purposefully in my word, when everything around your life is being hot and burnt up and dry, the righteous one will be alive and well. The righteous one will be alive and well. The Bible is promising you here that you will, if you are in the Bible, you will be fruitful and you will prosper. So I'm giving you permission today to freely go home and tell all your friends that a pastor at Christ Fellowship today preached prosperity today at Christ Fellowship. But before you get crazy, a.k.a. unbiblical, prosperity here doesn't mean perfect wealth and and abundant health in the Lord, right? Doesn't mean you'll always be healthy and wealthy. It, It never means that your life will always be easy and comfortable. God has never promised one of his disciples that. But what I am saying is that God's word will sustain you when it's not easy and comfortable. Will sustain you in the suffering. Will grow you in his grace even when it's hard. What he promises is a heart that meditates on his word will be well nourished. You will be fruitful. The Bible says you will prosper. So true prosperity is not growing in worldly riches. It's growing in Christ-likeness. True true prosperity is when we open God's Word and we, we search for the unsearchable riches of Jesus until we become more and more like Jesus. The question this morning is, do we really believe that when we open God's Word? That we'll be like a tree. That we all have roots deep into the Lord. That we will be 
fruitful, that we will prosper. Do we really believe that? Because listen, church, I really want us to believe this about God's word because it will bear much fruit, not just in your life. It'll bear much fruit in our church when we're a church that is dependent on the Lord, the word of God, delighting in the word of God. Listen, everything the Lord's doing through your life comes out of the overflow of what He's first doing in your heart. You can bank your life on that. Everything the Lord is doing through your life comes out of the overflow of what He's doing in your life first. Some of us hear that and we might instantly think, you know what, that's great. That is totally true for the missionary. That's totally true for you, pastor. That's, that's totally true for the college minister on the college campus or the women's discipleship leader or, you know, someone else that's doing something spiritual. The, the word will be fruitful for them. But brothers and sisters, this is true for all of us today. The Word of God is teaching us this morning that this is true for you. This is true for mom and dad. This, this is true for every believer, every business professional, every Western student, every factory worker, every fast food worker, every teacher, every barista. You must root your life in the Word. The delight of your heart, the fruitfulness of your life comes from being rooted in God's Word. I love what Dane Ortland says in his meditation on this psalm. He says, nothing can compare with the blessedness. Just listen to these words piled on top of one another. Nothing can compare with the blessedness, the fruitfulness, the flourishing the prospering, the delightfulness of a life saturated with the Word of God. Nothing can compare to that. Notice the stark difference with the wicked in verse 4. The wicked, he says, are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is not like a tree. In fact, it's, it's lighter than the wheat. So when the wind blows, he says the wicked will be blown away. Instead of flourishing, the, the wicked will be fleeting. Instead of being fruitful, the, the wicked will be fruitless. I don't, I don't know if y'all have noticed lately, but I know the insurance agents in here notice, but it's getting a little bit windier in Bowling Green these days. Like, I feel like every day the wind picks up more and more and more. And it seems like things are being trees and roofs and things are being blown every which way. Well, the Word of God says that all the wicked, that the wicked will be blown away. They will fade away. And I know sometimes that's hard for us to believe, right? When we look around at the world around us, it seems like, you know, everything seems to be going pretty great for the wicked. 
We watch people on social media. We watch people on reality TV. And, and that might, for some of us, fit our definition of what's blessed. It's because our definition of blessed has not been shaped by God's Word. We look at our coworkers and friends and our neighbors, and we might start thinking, you know, godlessness looks pretty great. Worldliness looks pretty wonderful. But the Lord is saying, don't be fooled, church. Do not, do not let your heart be fooled. The righteous will be fruitful, and the wicked will fade away. And he drives us to this point in, in verse 5 and 6. This is the last thing he says. The last thing we see in our passage. The righteous one has a future that's secure. Oh, the, the righteous one that's full of God's word, that's fruitful in the Lord, has a future that's secure. That's what the last two verses is all about. It's, they're about what's going to happen in the future. For the wicked that might look like everything's going well right now, and the righteous that might look like they're suffering, what's going to happen in the long run? What's going to happen when all is stripped away? All the stuff is stripped away and we're standing before the Lord. What happens when all we put our hopes in and trusted in in this world all fade away? Well, verse 5, he says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. We watch right now the world looking confident in their careers or, or secure in themselves. And yet, the Word of God is saying on that day, all their false security in their stuff will be stripped away. That all their confidence in themselves will be gone. He says there, they're not going to have any defense for their wickedness. They're not going to have any words on that day for their worldliness. They won't even be able to stand in the judgment. Romans 3 says that when they come before the Lord and before the law, that every mouth will be stopped. That none is righteous. That every mouth will be stopped. So that's true for the most Self-confident, self-assured, self-centered, self-sufficient, self-righteous person in the world when they stand before a holy and sovereign God. They won't have any confidence in themselves. It'll all be stripped away. No confidence in their stuff. It'll all be stripped away. No confidence in the things that they thought would satisfy them here. It'll all be stripped away. But look at the righteous in verse 6. Verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. We might just skip over that word no, but the, the word no doesn't merely mean that he's heard about the righteous. I've heard about that person. I know their name. I know about them. 
No, the word know means that the Lord knows us intimately. That the Lord approves of the righteous. That He delights in the righteous. That He loves deeply the righteous. He's saying if you're righteous, the Lord knows you. Those who are truly righteous, He delights in them as much as they delight in Him. It's a whole relationship fixed on delight. We're delighting in the Lord and He is delighting in us. So so the warning of the psalm is that the, the wicked and the worldly will one day perish forever in hell, but the righteous one who delights in the word will one day be cherished forever in heaven. But if you're anything like me, right now you might be looking at yourself and thinking, you know what, I don't know if I feel like the righteous one. I don't know if I feel like the one who is delighting in the law of the Lord. I don't know if I look at my life that I feel like a a fruitful tree. You look at your life and you're saying, if this is what prosperous is, I don't know if I don't know if this feels prosperous. Maybe you don't feel like the Lord sees you or knows you or delights in you or approves of you. For some of you, the last thing that comes to mind when you think of the Lord and you is that he delights in you. Maybe this morning you don't feel like the righteous one that the psalm is talking about and singing about. I think that's why I lack a lot of joy in my own heart. On a daily basis in my own life, it's because my joy is often tied to my own performance. My own self-righteousness. Am I enough? Have I done enough? I spend so much time looking at myself. It's one of the most dangerous things that you can do as a Christian is spend too much time looking at yourself. And I have no joy because my heart doesn't delight enough in God's Word. I have no song in my heart because I don't see much fruit. I don't have much prosperity in my life. I don't have Peace, because I fear like my righteousness will not be enough on that day before the Lord. But the good news of this psalm and the good news of the gospel is that ultimately Psalm 1 is not about you to begin with. Ultimately, Psalm 1 is not about you because you are not the righteous one. This psalm is pointing to the righteous king who will one day fully delight in the law of the Lord. Who will fully meditate on it day and night. Who is fruitful. Who is prosperous. Who is perfectly righteous. See, the book of Deuteronomy promised that there would be a future king. I want you to think about this. In the book of Deuteronomy, there was promise that there would be a future king before Israel had a king. And this is what Deuteronomy, how it describes that king. It says in verse chapter 17, verse 18, 
And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priest. And it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life. And he may learn, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers. And that he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right hand or to the left so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. You see that? A, a king that would come, that would keep the law near him, that would keep it in his heart, that would not turn from the right and left, but he would keep it perfectly. Or remember what the Lord says to Joshua whose name means Yahweh saves. When Joshua went into the promised land as the conquering king, the conquering leader, these were the words that the Lord said to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will... Make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, ultimately, the blessed man, ultimately, the righteous king that Deuteronomy is talking about, that Joshua is pointing to, that this psalm is talking about, the, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he de meditates day and night. The one who was like a tree whose leaf never withered and who will forever prosper. The one who the Lord knows. The one who He approves of and loves and delights in. The one in whom He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Ultimately, it's about Jesus, the righteous King. Jesus the righteous one. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him who knew no sin to become sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He treated Jesus like He lived our life so He could treat us like we were Him, like we were righteous forever. Or 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The righteous king on a cross for the unrighteous sinners like you and like me, so that we might be righteous in him. Isn't that what we sang earlier? When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. That's our only hope, is not our self-righteousness. No, our only hope is Christ's perfect righteousness. 
Brothers and sisters, that's the the key. That's the secret to the Christian life. The secret to being righteous. We must spend less and less time looking at our own righteousness. And more and more time looking at the righteousness of Christ. Because it's only in Jesus that, that we who've seen Reading God's Word, a duty, can now start seeing it as a delight in our Savior. It's only in Jesus, through abiding in Him, that John says, that Jesus says in John, that we may bear much fruit, because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. It's only in Jesus, being seen perfectly righteous, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that we can be known intimately, loved deeply, approved of, accepted forever in Him. Brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel this morning is that we are righteous. Not because of our self-righteousness, Not because of good works that we have worked up in and of ourselves. We are righteous because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. On the cross, all our sin was taken away and all His righteousness was given to you in Him. So this morning, if you know that you're a sinner, if you know that you are part of the wicked... You don't have to leave here today part of the wicked. You can leave here righteous in Christ. If you will just repent and run from your sins and run to Jesus, He will take all your sins and clothe you in His righteousness forever. Yesterday I got to check off maybe one of my bucket lists. I got to go to the Kentucky Derby. Friday afternoon, Friday, not afternoon, 11 o'clock at night, I was asked, I got a ticket, it's going to go to waste. Do you want to go to the Kentucky Derby? And right before, if you've watched the Kentucky Derby, right before the Kentucky Derby goes off, 150,000 people sing my old Kentucky home. And it's in that moment where Maybe you haven't thought a lot about being from Kentucky, but it's hard not to think about being from Kentucky and your heart being overwhelmed with the pride, the joy of being from Kentucky in that moment. So you might think that would overwhelm you, that you would want to bust out into song. Well, even the jockey for the winning derby horse, Javier Castellano, probably butchered that. He said, one of the first things he said right after he won the Derby is this. First of all, I would like to say thank you to God. Thank you to my Lord Jesus Christ for giving me the opportunity to feel amazing. To feel amazing. He was 0 for 15 going to the race. Now he's the Kentucky Derby winner, feeling amazing. He's giving thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably makes him want to burst into song because he feels amazing. But there's something better than that. 
It's for sinners who used to be part of the wicked, who have now been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, who today in this room can say, I would like to say thank you to my God. I would like to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ for not just giving me the opportunity, but for making me righteous in Christ. That I can be forever known, forever loved, forever approved of, forever delighted in, not because of my performance, but because of the perfect performance of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we ask that you would fill our minds with the truth of the gospel this morning. Oh Lord, the fact that we who were great sinners, we who were part of the wicked, we who deserved your holy wrath, Lord, can escape your wrath, have escaped your wrath because of Jesus, the righteous who came to die for the unrighteous, so that we might be righteous in Him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill our minds with the truth of the gospel, that you would not just fill our minds, but you would fill our hearts with the truth of the gospel, that yes, we were sinners, but now we are righteous in Jesus. Now we have been changed forever because we've been clothed in the perfect righteousness of our Savior who lived for us and died for us and rose again. Lord, I pray if anybody's here today that hasn't turned from their sins and rested in the righteous one, Lord, that you would set them free. That, that you would do your saving worth of work of taking away their sins and clothing them in the perfect righteousness of Christ. That they would no longer look at themselves, trust in themselves, but they would collapse all their hope and trust in Jesus. And Lord, I pray for us who are hidden in Jesus, who are hidden in the perfect righteousness, clothed in the perfect righteousness of Jesus, I pray that you would turn our duty into delight in reading your word. Lord, I pray that you would make us fruitful, prosperous trees that bring you glory, happy trees that delight in you and delight in your word. And that, Lord, we would long for the day that we stand complete, whole, blessed, not because of us, but because of Jesus. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.